When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, hello everyone. Welcome along to SEN Summer Mornings. I'm Julian King. Great to have your company on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney and through the SEN app. Tops of 37 in Old Sydney Town today. Mostly sunny chance of a late thunderstorm. Have you got your Chrissy shopping done yet? You know they say that a bloke can hit the shops on the night of the 24th, smashing out in about an hour or two. And that's it. It's done. They don't think about it. It's indiscriminate spending. It's an art form, I've got to tell you. I've got most of mine done because I'm not what you'd call organised. Plenty happening in the world of sport in the lead-up to Christmas, of course. Headlined by the first test of the summer. Still gives me tingles. Nothing like it. Australia v Pakistan. Coverage right here on SEN immediately following this program. Now, the open line number. I'd love you to join in the conversation today. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That text line 0457 now, on the show today, new Bulldogs recruit Kurt Mam is going to join us. Uh, they're about to head off to a training camp. When I hear pre-season training camp, I just think they're going to be absolutely brutalised. I'll speak to Kurt Mann on the program today. They just sound horrible, don't they? But if I'm a Dogs fan, I'm happy that players are getting put under the pump. They mean business this year, Canterbury. We'll also speak to Simon Cadditch ahead of the first test. Laurie Horish from ESPN will be along to chat all things NFL. And Thursday... I've been really looking forward to this. It means last listener standing quiz day. You know I'm a sucker for a good quiz, so we'll run that today as well. And Betty Riggs from Ponting Wines will be along as he is each and every Thursday. 0457 736 736. But we need to start with the cricket, the first test. Travis Head, well done to him. Reappointed Australia's test vice-captain for the start of the international summer. Uh, no surprises, by the way, in the Australian eleven, And I don't think anybody was expecting any. So we know Travis Head is fresh off that match-winning hand in the World Cup final. He's been named co-captain alongside Steve Smith. So Steve Smith, by the way, will remain the first option to take over the captaincy reigns if something happens to Pat Cummins. And Paddy did confirm the 11 for tomorrow's test, or today's test, I should say, against Pakistan, and we, as we said, largely as expected. So one change to the most recent side that played in the Ashes finale in August at the Oval. Nathan Lyon, of course, returning in place of Todd Murphy. So the 11 will look like this. Warner, Kawaja, Lubbershane, Steve Smith, Travis Head, Mitch Marsh, Alex Carey, Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, Nathan Lyon, and Josh Hazelwood. So there you have the big three pace bowling attack. Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, they are going to reunite fresh off leading Australia to World Cup glory last month. And of course, Dee Warner. All eyes on Dee Warner. He will open the batting after he spent much of the build-up to this match in the spotlight over his place in the team. And in particular from one former teammate, in Mitchell Johnson. Pakistan are going to name their 11 at the toss. In the BBL action last night, the Scorchers, class side, thumped the Stars by seven wickets. The tournament's now going to take a short break uh, for, well, for the Test match, of course. That's the thing about the Perth Test match. Do you remember back in the day you are at school, you'd come home and you could watch the cricket till nine? It's all daylight there. How good was that? It's got beautiful. Get the last couple of sessions in. It was like manna from heaven, that stuff. Uh, we touched upon this yesterday... Big news, of course, with regards to Usman Kawaja and the messaging on his shoes. And we did say at the time that the ICC 
had not made any decision. Further to that, Cricket Australia had not made a comment. But he will now, Usman Khawaja, not wear his shoes emblazoned with these slogans, referring to the plight of Palestinians caught up in the fighting in Gaza. Pat Cummins had confirmed that. Had confirmed that. Now, he did, Khawaja, face the possibility of being banned from taking the field in the match if he had worn the shoes that he trained in on Tuesday. So ICC clothing regulations empower the match referee, in this case it was Javagal Sridhar from India, to prevent a player from taking part in a match if they're wearing an item of clothing, sporting a logo or wording that is non-compliant. Any clothing or equipment that does not comply with these regulations is strictly prohibited. The regulation states, in particular, no logo shall be permitted to be displayed on cricket clothing or cricket equipment other than a national logo, commercial logo, an event logo, manufacturer's logo, player's bat logo, charity logo or non-commercial logo as provided by these regulations. And on and on it goes. And if they're aware of clothing that doesn't comply, the match referee will be authorised to prevent that person from taking the field. So that was the threat hanging over the head of Usman Khawaja. So Pat Cummins did confirm at his pre-match press conference yesterday that he would not wear the shoes. And they're all very supportive of Usman Khawaja. And Cummins said, I think it's one of our strongest points as a team. Everyone has their own passionate views and individual thoughts. I don't think his intention is to make too much of a fuss, but we support him. Well, Usman Khawaja responded on social media yesterday. What I've written on my shoes isn't political. I'm not taking sides. Human life to me is equal. No one chooses where they're born. And then I see the world turn their backs on them. My heart can't take it. I already feel my life wasn't equal to others when I was growing up. But luckily for me, I never lived in a world where that lack of inequality was life or death. The ICC have told me that I can't wear my shoes on field because they believe it's a political statement under their guidelines. I don't believe it is so. It's a humanitarian appeal. I will respect their view and decision, but I will fight it and seek to gain approval. Freedom is a human right. Osman Kawaja, you may have heard that a few times this morning. And that was, what, 30 seconds of All Upper over a two-minute clip. And he spoke calmly, emotionally, rationally, I thought. And if you want to hear the whole two minutes, I go... I urge you to go and have a look. You'll find it on most news websites now. Cricket Australia, Cricket Australia, by the way, released a statement backing up the ICC regulations. We support the right of our players to express personal opinions, but the ICC has rules in place which prohibit the display of personal messages, which we expect the players to uphold. I get it. I get it. Because they say political causes, messages for political causes, shall not be granted. So just to recap... At trading you wore the shoes and a sport of the slogan, freedom is a human right, all lives are equal. The thing about it is, and in that clip too that Kawaja released on social media, it said, I'm not saying that a Muslim life is more important than a Jewish life. He said that. He said this is a humanitarian message. He can't stand idly by while he sees the indiscriminate killing of children. That's what he's saying. And the thing about it is, and this is what makes this whole issue so problematic, players were permitted to take a knee to support the Black Lives Matter movement. We see black armbands all the time. Our colleague Scott Bailey from AAP made the point that in a recent tour, India are allowed to sport camo caps, camouflage caps, as a statement about civil war. 
And this is the thing. This is, I suppose, what is so uh, makes this makes this issue so problematic. Is that on one hand you're allowed to, and on on in an individual level, somebody like Kawaja saying, "Well, hang on, this is pretty inoffensive. This message, but I'm not allowed to do it." You know, as a proud Muslim, we know deeply affected by these scenes out of Gaza after Israel retaliated to these Hamas attacks. And he said, do people not care about innocent humans being killed? Is the colour of their skin that makes them less important or the religion they practice? These things should be irrelevant if you truly believe we're all equal. And yeah, you know what? And we tend not to get too political on this network. The Hamas atrocities against Israel repugnant and horrific. The indiscriminate retaliation equally horrific. All lives matter. That was his message. It seems all-encompassing here. Now, as we said, Usman's statement, I think, is more humanitarian than political. It's pretty inoffensive. It's hardly what I'd call incendiary or radical. It's not as simple as saying, well, sport and politics don't mix. I mean, that's a bit of a fantasy because they do. You know, try telling that to the Israeli athletes in Munich. Sport is part of government policy. It's integral to international relations. It's a microcosm of society. You know, sport and sports stars don't exist in the vacuum. And yeah, look, I also accept that free speech should not be unfettered. And if you are an athlete, well, you're an employer. They're also entitled to their own value systems. So if it's against the rules, you've got to respect that. Usman is respecting that, but he's not going to stop the fight. And that's what we saw in the Falau case. Your employer is also entitled to their own value systems. But this is no way remotely comparable to the Falau scenario. Far from it. Anyway, he'll fight it. Wouldn't be surprised if he can wear those shoes on Boxing Day. By the way, 0457 736 736, you may have a thought on that. All right. I've got to do it. I've got to, I guess, wrap this up in a neat little parcel. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Jones. Remember I don't know time? what you're talking about, mate. I said no, mate. I've had no discussion with him, mate. I haven't been speaking to anyone, mate. Well, I've never had a job offer from Japan, mate. There's no offer. So is Japan an option? I don't know, mate. You have to ask Sydney Morning Herald. They seem to know more than me. Well, we spoke to the Sydney Morning Herald's Tom Deason on Monday. I said the three certainties in life were death, taxes, and Eddie taking the Japan job. 90 days after he first denied links with the Japan head coaching role, Eddie Jones has been told he will be the team's next boss. Apparently impressed in his second interview for the job in Tokyo last Thursday. He was put forward as a preferred candidate by a selection panel. His candidature was ratified at a Japan Rugby Football Union board meeting Last night, he'll attend a press conference in Tokyo today alongside JRFU President Masato Tsuchida and the chairman as well. And the JRFU released a statement, the Japan Rugby Football Union is delighted to announce the appointment of Eddie Jones as the new head coach of the Japan national team, the Brave Blossoms. Eddie will officially commence his duties from the 1st of January 2024. I'd love to know how long the contract is. And that closes the chapter on that. Well done. Tom Decent, nice work. I think we're officially done with the Eddie Jones chat. Much to the delight and relief of our listeners, I'm sure. 0457 736 736. Uh, 397, Steve wanted. Did I say Steve wanted, did I? I had a long night. Forgive me. It's like, you know, that joke about the one goat. Now, this is interesting. We've discussed at length, you know, the NRL and trying to get a footprint into that American market. Michael Carianis, the NRL will offer four American athletes potential full-time contracts to join an NRL club as part of an historic rugby league combine to tap into the best male and female talent. So you're casting the net far and wide. So at the official launch of the NRL's historic 2024 season opening doubleheader at Legion Stadium, 
The NRL confirmed plans to fly a representative from each of its 17 clubs to the US-based event in March to run their eyes over potential recruits. So maybe we've got the next Manfred Moore on our hands. Just maybe. And the NRL also revealed it would host a nines tournament for domestic US players and announce partnerships with the UFC and NASCAR. So they're getting busy. Very busy. But it's this chance to form a direct pathway or play a pathway from the US to the NRL, which looms as a significant opportunity for the code. And their boss, Andrew Abdo, said, we're going to be working with local partners. We'll be going out to the male and female college athletes, and they get to apply. The top 50 male and female applicants will come down for an intensive session. We'll have our high-performance team who will be filtering and monitoring the statistics and the testing on the day. Interesting. Jill Aru's coach, Brad Donald, is going to oversee the, oversee the combine along with the game's high-performance unit. And they'll go through all sorts of fitness drills, skills drills, and the rest of it. And then, from there, the NRL will choose two female and two male athletes and give them an opportunity to travel to Australia to train with teams. Clubs will then be given an option to offer a player a full-time development deal. So there you go. Do you remember that TV show, The NRL Rookie? Remember that? Freddie, MG, and, and I think Adrian Lamb was the other one. And who was the name of the first winner? Lou Goodwin. Lou Goodwin. So it's like a reality show that's a potential pathway into an NRL contract. Luke Goodwin got a contract with the Raiders, as a matter of fact. Didn't play a game, I think. So it will be tough. It will be tough, but you just never, never know. You just never, never know. 0457 736 736. Steve Warner's David's brother, by the way. Uh, Bulldogs veteran Raymond Fatala Mariner has cleared the air on a turbulent 2023, conceding he should have handled things differently during a messy end of the season. So he confronted Coach Cameron Seraldo about his training methods after he'd received complaints from well, from some of his teammates. And he spoke about it at an open day for the media yesterday. And I think a lot of it, uh, we probably made a bit too much of it. And he did, for Talamara, come out and clear the air in terms of his standing with the club, with Seraldo and also with Phil Gould. Because he, I think, was probably the one that was scapegoated to a degree. And reportedly told he was unwanted by the club. And he said, look, it was a year of learning for all of us. He admitted that he's learned a bit more about leadership and on and on he goes. But he did say the veteran forward, some of the things that were reported weren't entirely true. I wouldn't say there were issues. I don't think there were ever any issues at the club. A few conversations here and there. What I should have done was nail it on the head and said, boys, this is who we are. This is what we've got to buy into. And all this drama... All this drama led to reports that the club was trying to offload for Taylor Mariner with claims that he was told to stay away from training. His name was in the paper. I remember we all reported on it. But he had crucial chats with the coach, Cameron Seraldo, with the general manager of football, Phil Gould. Smooth things over. He said it was tough. Things did come out. I had a conversation with the club. They told me it wasn't true. I believed them. So there you go. He said he had a conversation with Seraldo and Gus. Said, no, nope, not true. Took their word for it. And now he's back in the fold, which is good to see. Now, we took the press conference from Shane Richardson yesterday. It was a busy day on the program. And uh, a lot of Tigers fans are delighted with the news of the board change and I'm very confident that things will look up there at the club. But Shane Richardson, I don't know if you caught it, but go back and have a listen. He caught up with Sats and Jace Matthews on Sports Day last night. He also confirmed now that the Tigers will be out of the race for Adam Fenua Black. We've withdrawn our offer from Adam Fenua Bloke. Why is that, Richo? Is that just based on the salary cap or is it more a bit of a research around the player? No, I know he's a great player. He's one of the top three front rowers of the game. But, mate, 
you know, you know, we've got a really good. Our forward pack's really strong, and we can add for that through our young players coming through. And we need flexibility in our cap to be able to do things that we need to do to make us stronger now. And from that point of view, it's in my opinion, and and also Benji's opinion, because I wouldn't do it without Benji. It, you know, it's not anything to do with that. It's to, everything to do with where we need to focus our attention on. So there you go. So not long after the Bulldogs officially withdrew from the race for Adam Vanua Blake's signature, now the Tigers are out of the race. So it is a race in two between the Sharkies and my Dragons. The Dragons have officially tabled a four-year, I think it was a $4.5 million offer offer for the boom front rower. So Adam Vanua Blake is a hot property, one of the top three front rowers on the planet. Now it looks like he's destined for either Cronulla or St. George Illawarra. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Give us your fierce predictions, will you? I think we've got to talk a bit of cricket on the program. Of course, the first test gets underway over in Perth today. I keep sort of subconsciously wanting to say whacker, even though it is Optus Stadium. Skidian Haig, the great cricket writer, once said it has all the, the atmosphere of an aircraft hangar. It's a bit of a soulless venue. Great footy venue. I mean, I've not been there, but from everyone I know that has been there. Not a wonderful cricket venue in terms of spectators. But hopefully the Perth faithful show up after the pleas of their favourite son, Justin Langer, to get out and back the team. And Justin Langer in the West Australian yesterday, oh, I hate it. Two of my great mates, Davey and Mitch, and they're going toe-to-toe in the press and I don't like it. And, you know, you praise publicly, criticise privately, all that kind of stuff. But Mark Taylor, just on David Warner, now, Greg Chappell, who's always worth a read because he's an outside-the-box thinker, he liked the idea of Mitch Marsh opening the batting in the post-Warner era. Mark Taylor's responded to that in the Herald today, saying he reckons Cam Green might be an even better option. And I'm going to speak to Simon Cadditch in the next hour of the program, and I want to get his thoughts too. Because Caddo opened the batting with Shane Watson, and Shane Watson was a you know a middle-order player, all-rounder, who at the end of his career opened the batting and very successfully alongside Simon Cadditch. So it's not to say it can't be done. And Tubby said, look, I think Cameron Green should be given the same consideration to open the batting as Mitch Marsh. Says he's technically better equipped than Mitch Marsh. Obviously, a young player on the rise. It'll give that left-hand, right-hand combination with Kawaja. Wonderful slip and gully field. We've got those bucket hands, Cam Green. Because Australia's not only going to miss Warner's batting, but he's catching the slip. So there's another consideration, is the fielding. But Cam Green, I mean, I've got a lot of respect and a lot of time for Mark Taylor. There's another option. No right or wrong answer, I don't think, but I get Simon Cadditch's thoughts on that because you can see similarities, can't you, between the reinvention of Shane Watson. And this is a chance to get Cameron Green, one of the most promising young cricketers we've seen in this country for 50 years, get him back in the side. And if you have him and Marsh playing, well, there's that bowling option as well. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, the open line number, 0457-736-736. So look in the crystal ball. How's day one going to play out? Give us your fearless and bold predictions for the test match day one, or indeed all five days of the test. Anything else you want to talk about? Your thoughts on Usman Kawaja? Want to hear those as well. We can have a civil debate on that in the program over the course of the next three hours. 0457 736 736. Up and running for this Thursday morning, Julian King and the chair for Matty White on Summer Mornings.